Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a Chief Evangelist? That's what we're exploring at ChiefEvangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from the founder and chief evangelist at Ringmaster Conversational Marketing, the team that brings this podcast and so many others to life. He's an adventurer, an entrepreneur, and a marketer. He founded and ran a Salesforce Pardot agency. He wrote a book on marketing automation. He hosts multiple podcasts. And again, this podcast would not exist without him. And I think we're going to get into why. Casey Cheshire, welcome to Chief Evangelist. Ethan, thank you so much. I feel like you've either created or or lassoed a movement, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. And I've been learning from you, so it's an honor to be here talking with you live on this show. Awesome. I can't. That's I, re, I appreciate the kind words, and uh, we will get into this show straight up. And I don't just mean like production. I mean in general, this show would not exist without you and your vision, and we'll get into that. But to honor the format, I'm going to ask you the question I always open with, and I know you know it's coming. What is the most important job of a chief evangelist? For me, it's it's connecting. For, for me, the most important job, especially as we get more and more technical, more and more digital, marketing has gotten so obfuscated behind walls and walls of really sexy tech, but tech that nonetheless turns people into numbers. You need someone out there talking and not just every time the conference comes around and you're, you're all at the open bar anyways, and are we really connecting? Maybe a little bit, but someone who's consistently reaching out, learning from people, understanding their challenges, connecting on a human level, which I know I don't need to preach to you about, someone who can just generally connect as a real person, real human-to-human connection as the voice of the company, and then so doing learns and then becomes in that company the voice of the customer. That's, that's what the most important role is. Man, you did so many really great things there, especially where you buttoned up there on the, you know, taking messages out into the world, this kind of outside piece, but then also bringing the outside back into the organization and becoming the voice of the customer. And I especially appreciate that language voice of the customer. And it's, you know, even that, as an initiative, a voice of customer work, you know, I'm air quoting for folks who are listening. Even so much of that is numbers based. It's survey results, oh, it's sure. trends, it's data, et cetera. Testing, and it's yeah. funny. The, the original uh, kind of short podcast series I did on Flip My Funnel around this, Dave Izbitsky from Amazon, chief, of, uh, chief evangelist at the time of Alexa and Echo, said, you know, inside Amazon, they'd have all this data, like mountains and mountains of data and reports, and they're pouring through it, looking to make a data-informed decision. And he would just share a customer story from out in the developer community or out in the marketing community. And he said, all of a sudden, the reports don't look the same. The numbers don't look the same. Uh, and it's all colored by uh, a real story. So I really appreciate that sensitivity. 
you, I'd love for you to double back into this idea of layers and layers of tech because you uh, spent a lot of time in that zone yourself uh, helping people with marketing automation. You wrote one of very few books on earth about marketing automation. <laughs> um, I interviewed you on one of your podcasts about that book. Um, talk a little bit about, um, just, just take us from like where, where you were and where we were collectively maybe a decade ago. You're, you've also hosted, um, a podcast with top marketers for years and years. Where were we five, 10 years ago? And where are we today that it's so obvious for you to talk about the human side of all this, the connection, the relationship piece relative to um, tools and tech like marketing automation. Just walk that arc a little bit. Like what are the main changes uh, in marketing and perhaps sales and marketing or revenue or whatever we want to call this zone of the operation? Sure. And it's crazy to even think about this question because the answer makes you feel a little bit old, right? You're like, oh, yeah. And if you're listening to this and you you have don't have any experience whatsoever with this this curve or this this story arc, then welcome, welcome to Earth. <laughs> welcome. Uh, I hope your marketing career will be or your your evangelist career will be fantastic. But yeah, just a, just a few years ago, right, even a, a decade or so, people were converting from well, even before that, people converted from traditional marketing and and media and the billboard outside to oh maybe I should have this website thing and not just a website thing, but creating content. So there was this this movement to get off your your brochure, your paper brochure onto the web, right? And so people would make those changes. They'd get into digital marketing. Was was a thing that at the time was not necessarily ubiquitous, right? People were doing non-digital things uh, as a primary source. And so people got digital. And then when I was really growing up in my marketing career, people were moving from digital marketing to a world of marketing automation, the worlds of Pardots and Salesforces and HubSpots and Marketos, right? Those kind of, I like to call it carrot scale, right? You were able to take an individual uh, message or what should be a one-to-one -one connection and you could just scale that to your entire list and you could, you could trick people, I guess is no better way of saying it, into thinking that they were the recipient of a direct one-to-one -one communication that was customized and it sounded like you were paying attention to them, right? And so that was really, and also it got rid of some of the, the, the tedious, boring work or the grunt work that a, that a marketer might need to do. And it, and it converted into this marketing automation world. And so, you know, maybe that's a little granular in the marketing tech side, but what ends up happening is marketing keeps getting better. So the, the technology is getting better, but better with a with a star after it because it doesn't mean it's getting better in terms of understanding the customer, even knowing what you're talking about. So the biggest challenge I experienced when I ran this, you know, consultancy for 10 years was that people would buy this tech and it was really good at making your marketing really bad or like or if your marketing was bad, it was really good at getting bad marketing to more people. So it wasn't solving things and, and None of it was solving. It was just being making you more effective at whatever you were sending, for better or worse. And so nowhere along the lines were we getting better at talking to customers. We were only getting better at telling them things, listening for certain things, and then telling them things back. And in, in one case in point around this is that when, when I talk to like Adele Ravello, who wrote Buyer Personas, or anyone else who's a little bit focused on the idea of a buyer persona, 
it almost it's almost like voodoo to the digital marketer to the marketing automation person because we don't need this fuzzy stuff. We don't need the voice of the customer. We don't need Amazon's chair in the boardroom that says that's for the customer. We don't need that's all fuzzy stuff. What we need is just to be better at, at mailing people more often and tracking them with cookies, right? So it got more and more tech, but it 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 lost sight and said, no, we don't need that Mad Men days mentality of understanding our customer or speaking for them. We're just going to become this sort of facilitator of mass marketing. And that is tired. In general, it's interesting. Yeah. A background theme on this show, and sometimes we talk about it explicitly, but not that often, is that this, um, in particular, B2B sales and marketing playbook is exhausted. And I think it's that everybody knows the game now. Like, yes, I kind of want that piece of content, but you're still gating it. And I know if I fill out this four-form field to get this piece of content, A, the content's going to disappoint me. B, I'm going to start getting emails beyond just the delivery of the piece. And then C, if this requires a phone number, oof, it you're better probably be a really a good, good call, right? I know yeah. you're going to text and call me too. And then, of course, you're also going to find me on LinkedIn and start DMing me or some SDR is. And, you know, it's a game that I feel like is tired and all people really want are answers. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that it, it seems worn out. I don't know if the industry is, but I know I sure am, right? So- so uh, a data point of one, I was exhausted from doing 10 years of this. And, you know, we would always teach people to get to know their customer, but it was one step out of 10. And, and people typically gave it lip service and you can't force them to do it. And, and so you're right. We played so many games or we're currently, most companies are playing so many games, the ones that don't have evangelists, that don't have a voice of a customer present. And, and are actively feeding it. We're playing games. The game, number one, is like, notice me, right? And, it, and then it's like, okay, notice me and also don't notice anyone else. <laughs> Ignore the person over there. My competitor, no, 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 don't notice them. And then also, to your, your final point, get on the phone with me. And it's like, I really don't want to get on the phone with you, but it's like, I'm going to trick you into thinking you really need to get on the phone with me and we're going to waste everyone's time, but we're going to keep harassing you until maybe you buy. It, it just, it's so broken. It's, it's gross. It's just like, ugh. why, why not just do the alternative? Yeah. So lay that out a little bit and, and maybe layer it into your own shift into a chief evangelist role. Like what's your primary, primary motivation? Kind of what is the alternative or just, I mean, I know that's a huge question. So just, <laughs> just get into yeah. it. Uh, at least some basically are like characterize the alternative and, um, Talk then a little bit about your shift into an evangelist role yourself. Sure, sure. And and I started while I was in, in, a, in a more of a founder role. Founder slash evangelist. I did a good job evangelizing to partners. And I think companies do this too, right? Partner marketing is a thing. But customer marketing sounds B2C, so why are we why are we doing that? We're not really doing that. So I, I was I was a founder, I was a partner evangelist, if you will, uh, doing a great job of that. Uh, running a company, the company's growing. We start having people for things. And so we had a sales team. We had an operations team. We had people delivering. We have all these different marketing roles. And then as as a founder, I was getting more and more, I, like, behind, well, I was getting more and more hidden. Like, I, I was I was sort of handcuffed because they would say, we don't want 
you interfering with your team, right? So it's always that balance if you're a manager or a leader. You know, should you really be hopping on that, those calls? Yes, no. You know, do you want to give your people some space so they can do their job and maybe not interfere? Yes. And so I kept getting uh, pushed back and back into a corner where you're just sort of running a company. And what happened is I was certainly not the voice of the customer. And my vision suffered. My, my vision as a leader suffered. I didn't know where to take the company because I had no connection to the modern customer, to our, to our customer as it stood in the moment, right? I had been at the beginning when I founded the thing, but then over time, I wasn't connected to them anymore. I didn't know what their problems actually were. The tech grows, marketing grows, things change. I lost track of that. I, and, and it was on purpose, I guess, but I, but I didn't realize that I was losing my connection with the customer. And so my vision suffered in meetings and senior level meetings with leaders. I wouldn't have an, an, like a flag to plant for the whole company. Hey, we need to go here, right? Which was maybe my only job, but I didn't have ammo for that. So I would come up with wacky things or my team would come up with things and maybe they're connected to the customer, maybe not. Maybe. And so we came up with all sorts of wacky new programs that weren't necessarily what the customer wanted. They, it, they kind of took us a step back as a company and it was just, it was just all muddled. And that's just because I didn't have a vision because I didn't have the voice of the customer. And, and it was when I accidentally just started a podcast thinking content and thought leadership that I started chatting with our ideal customer that hadn't signed up with us yet. And what was crazy is I could ask them questions and they would tell me and, and I would ask what keeps you up at night. And suddenly they started telling me we had relationships and they mentioned things and, it actually turned into deals off the off the episodes and off the pods. But more importantly, I had those stories, like you mentioned in the very beginning with Amazon. I, I now, if it came up in a, in a board meeting, yeah, I just talked to X, Y, and Z 10 minutes ago before this call, and here's what she was saying, you know, and here's what someone else was saying. And I've now talked to 50 people in a year or, or more, and every year you keep going with the pod. Now you become, again, the voice of the customer. So... Uh, and this is for smaller companies. And I often find that yeah, as the company gets bigger, the CEO, the or founder needs to transition. Can't do everything. Running a company takes more time. And, and you need someone who has that hat. They have to wear that hat. And somebody needs to bring that vision and, and feed the voice of the customer, right? It's like it's sitting there, but you got to feed it the pizza. You can't just let it sit there. It, it's not enough. And I'm glad you brought up even with Amazon. It's not enough just to allocate a chair for them in the room and to think about them. Because if you don't know what they're thinking about, it doesn't really matter if there's an empty chair. It's exactly that. It's empty, and you don't really know. You need someone in that chair speaking for the customer. Yeah, I really right. appreciate the the <laughs> double down on the empty aspect of the empty chair. It's such a good point. I mean, it, you know, it's it's meant to remind people. Uh, but but to your point, unless we have some direct access, unless we have this, and and we're going to get into podcasting right now. Uh, because it's such it is is a is a nuanced or a layer to uh, your last offering there, and it is how do we fill that chair up? How do we actually understand? How do we not sit in a marketing team and craft some you know buyer persona, which very often, by the way, is done as a checkbox exercise that isn't really that customer informed. We oh, haven't yeah. gone out and talked to people, and so in this evangelist role. Um, you are bringing the outside in and you're doing it in large part by talking with people all the time. 
and you just happen to be doing it through a podcast. So yeah. talk about why, like, I have a lot of opinions and thoughts about this and a lot of experience around it too. Um, but you're even deeper into all of it. You've been doing it more, you've been doing it longer. And I think your vision around it is clearer. In fact, you built a business around it. Um, talk about the power of the podcast in terms of being in constant conversation with your ideal buyer or with your partners or with other people that you want to learn from, connect with, go deeper with, and have real stories, real examples, very often real numbers come out of these things as well. Talk about the power of the podcast to bring a lot of this together, specifically the voice of the customer. Yeah, I've searched for ways of doing this uh, inadvertently and on purpose, right? I, I've looked and I've looked and I've looked, and I am convinced there is no more efficient and effective way to learn and connect with your customer than a podcast. And there really isn't. And and to say otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves. Like there, this this is the thing we should do, we should all do this. And it and it's 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 systematic, right? So it, in case I don't have you know, meetings scheduled. I now I do. I have on a regular basis. I need to have a regular show. I know I'm going to have regular calls with people. And if they're the right people, it's going to continue to feed me. It's not sporadic. You mentioned, you know, the buyer personas, the biggest challenge that Adele and, and some of the other professionals that do these profiles for, or these personas versus profiles, they, when they really do a deep dive, they have to talk to the customer. But they do that, and then they do a project, and then they're done, right? They deliver it to the company, and the company's like, cool, thanks. Now we're in the loop. But that instantly starts degrading over time, and so they have to either bring them back in again to do another project, but that's hard to justify. And a couple, oh, we just did that a, a year ago, right? So how do you get that consistency? It's a podcast. It's a slow drip, you know, espresso, if you will, of customer information and, and connection it's just nothing like it. And what's crazy is you know, I think back to when we we were trying to figure this stuff out. You would have surveys. And you could go down a path on surveys, but you can bias the survey on you know yourself. And, and I once got a survey saying, like, what was the main reason you purchased this thing? And there's three choices, right? None of which were the reason that I purchased this thing. So it doesn't matter if your survey says that. And Adele and other folks would tell you it wasn't that question. It's the follow-up question that really is the nugget. Okay, you, you said this was the reason you purchased. Tell me more about that. Why exactly was that the reason? And then you, now you have the gold mine, right? But you can't, you can't really get that in the survey. And even if you had a, a drop-down with another answer possible, there's something about that human connection, the trust, the relationship that draws out these stories and experiences from people that just a form i you know <laughs> you can you can give me a hoodie and all these things and i'm going to fill this thing out but if you bias the survey or you know there's just no other tool as effective as as a podcast and really it's a give too because it actually it gives people uh, a spotlight a platform attention uh so as much as you're learning from them you, you're learning by by giving them a gift so i can think of no better way to start a relationship with a customer than a podcast. And I think one other point that comes to mind real quick is that, uh, you know, the, the challenges as, as marketers and other people in the company, the only ones that really feel the confidence to reach out to a customer or a prospect, especially a prospect that hasn't bought, or maybe they said no, the only people that feel comfortable doing that sometimes, usually the most of the time is sales, right? And they're not thinking big picture on purpose. They're typically thinking 
I've got a quota window. I've got to close in the short term. So you need someone on the team with a big picture view saying this stuff changes over time to be thinking and chatting with a customer. And sometimes we get shy. Hey, if we weren't shy, we would be in sales, right? So, and maybe some people listening to this are. But, you know, a lot of us went to marketing because we wanted to tinker. And so maybe not talking to people, you know, actually talking to them. What do you say? That's the other challenge. What do we, what do we say? We get case studies. We just ask, what kind of questions? Like, how do you just have a conversation? And, and am I going to waste their time? It, it's a real struggle. So having a pod, you, you negate all of that. It's a gift. They're happy to be on. They're thankful. They're giving you and fueling your customer voice. They're, they're fueling your customer data. And they're thanking you at the same time. Like, it's a win-win. Yeah, it's a, it really is for so many reasons. I think product marketing probably talks to customers more often than marketing on average. Uh, not that, yeah, product. Just, just draw a little bit of a line there. But those interviews, those aren't very often are used in a very specific way for a very specific purpose. Same as you're talking about like um, buyer personas as a project. We're going to do all these interviews. We're going to pull out all the high-level takeaways. If we're really good at it, we're also going to layer in, by the way, this high-level point that we're making, it sounds like this and this and this, and you provide a few quotes from the interviews on it, that kind of a thing. By the way, uh, for folks listening really quickly, uh, we publish these conversations at YouTube. We publish highlights at YouTube. We publish this, of course, in all the main podcast places. We put them up at chiefevangelist.com. And so when someone like Casey talks about a great book like Adele Ravella's Buyer Personas, um, that's the kind of thing that we link up there. So uh, it's probably immediately adjacent to wherever you're watching or listening to this episode. Um, I try to round, round these things up and share them um, in addition to kind of the classic standard show notes thing. So product marketing or another specific initiative, we're talking with customers maybe, not as often as we want to. Um, we're usually extracting the main highlights, but it's not an ongoing conversation. Um, and it's not published. So it's not the same benefit to the person who's investing 30 minutes or 45 minutes, or some of the shows that I like listening to are 90 minutes or even two and a half hours sometimes. Um, and so this idea of sharing it as a gift to other people, I would also say for folks listening, if you are not actively in conversation uh, with either an ideal customer or um, you're thinking about moving into another zone, go listen to podcasts that other people have already recorded and published where they're talking with the kind of people you think you might want to be in relationship with. Like that's the, just so there's just so much uh, layered in here in general. I know this is a little bit easy to say, um, but I'd love for you to speak to it and maybe give a couple tips on getting people to respond and show up. You know, another one of these win-win dynamics, especially if you're talking with um, potential customers and ideal customers, um, people who fit the buyer persona, is people are much more likely to say, yes, I will speak to uh, you on your podcast for all of these shared benefits, more so than, yes, I will take this sales call with you and answer a bunch of your questions and then feel some sense of obligation toward you or whatever. Like people are more likely to say yes to a podcast invite than to a sales call invite. Uh, speak to that a little bit and maybe give some tips on how to get people who maybe don't know you to understand why they might want to be in a conversation with you on your podcast. Yeah. When, when, when we do things the right way, when, when we're creating podcasts for customers, 
when you have a, a couple certain key things in mind, they almost always say yes. And they're delighted and they're honored and they're happy and they're grateful. And they, they come with this sort of happy spirit to be on the show and, and answer the questions you have. And to your point, they're paying attention, not, not on a sales call. I mean, I've been on sales calls where I'm literally catching up on my email. I'm not even sure why I'm on the call, but I'm using the time for my email. And I'm not even there. Thanks for the demo. I'm sorry. But like I, I've done that. And I think we all have. But on a podcast, you can't do that, right? If I zone out on you, Ethan, like, you're going to ask me a question. And I'm going to say, what? Like, uh, help me. And yeah, we both know we could edit it out. You know, hey, Jess, hey, hey, guys. But at the same time, you know, most people are, are very much focused on you. So they're focused, they're in tune, they're ready to go. There's a couple key things that make this possible. And one is you gear everything around your customer, not yourself, right? This is the Chief Evangelist podcast. This is not the Ethan is great podcast. Now, Ethan, you are great and you could name the podcast that, but you didn't. Why? Because it's about the people you want to talk to. It's about the chief evangelists. Of course, you are the grandfather of the chief evangelism, but but we but you want to talk to other chief evangelists, right? So you're making it about them. It's an honor to be invited to a podcast like that. Wow, I was on the chief evangelist podcast. That's really cool, right? Now, if you name it, I was hey, I was on the I was on the Ethan is great show. Ethan's great. How was it? Well, Ethan's great, and it was a lot of fun. You know, like why should I listen? I don't know, right? So. Even naming the show and thinking about those kind of things, it's all about your guests. And a lot of companies that I work with, they, they come initially thinking when we create a podcast with them, we, we do some naming together, right? We do this whole naming brainstorm. But we often have to get them off of naming it the, about their own company, right? Hey, this is the cool tech SaaS platform show. And it's like, yeah, that's all about you. And, and, you know, I'm not going to throw anything, but that's that's that old product marketing approach, right? Let's talk about our features and our benefits. It's like, no, no, no. We're not talking about us at all. We just want to talk to you. And so you name the thing after who you want to talk to. You invite them on. And the show is about them. You ask them questions. And you listen and you learn. And it's not about you then saying, well, that's great, Casey. Let me, let me tell you and everyone listening about my cool program, which one day you should have. Uh, but like, let me tell everyone about this thing you should buy in this pocket. No, it's all, you're focused on the customer. You're asking them questions that make them look like a rock star. You're asking me great questions that I'm both passionate about and I have a little bit of expertise in. And that makes me feel good. And so then I trust you and I feel like you're not going to set me up for, with a terrible question till later probably. But, but you're not going to set me up. So I feel comfortable telling you things. So that opens up these customers. It doesn't matter if they're a CFO or a CTO the most unsocial person you can imagine, if you put them in the right situation and you make the show about them, they're going to open up and they're going to tell you things that a survey won't get, that a, a customer panel won't get, even a sales call for sure won't get. It, it just opens them up by making the show about them. So appreciate that. I want to go where I was kind of teasing off the top here because we're right at the doorstep on it. You know, you and I have been connected for years we connect, you know, well, a lot more lately, but you know, let's just say two, three, four yeah. years ago, you know, we, we jump on a call and catch, we still haven't met in person, which is crazy. I know. Um, <laughs> we almost we, did. We, COVID happened. We'll that out after this conversation. But, um, you know, we would jump on a zoom call three, four times a year and just kind of catch up what's going on, et cetera. And so I was describing to you how that original, uh, blog posts that I wrote years ago on, uh, those four evangelist interviews were bringing more evangelists to me. And you were like, this is a thing. It's niche, but this is a thing. 
you obviously care about it. I'm, I'm giving you your language that you're telling me like this thing should exist. It should be a show. You should do it now. Like some of the other people I was talking to were like, well, it feels early. I don't know if there's a, you know, it's still pretty kind of niche or early. You're like, no, it's not too early. You want to start a show around this, whether you call it chief evangelist or something else. I mean, that was the right name. I don't think Ethan is great. Right? Agree, like <laughs> name of this thing. And, and let's, let's invite people who are in evangelist roles and understand the diversity of expression and practice in order to kind of explore what that range is and try to create some norms around it. Like what were you, I'm asking you to go back to maybe like last summer or even last spring when you were kind of like, now's the time you should do this right now. Um, harken back as well as you can. What were you hearing from me? What were you seeing in the market? What were you thinking about this evangelist concept that had you thinking, feeling, saying, do this? You know, the, the first thing that comes to mind, and I, and I just spoke about it for myself, and, and I heard this from you, was, was passion and expertise, right? The, something that you, if I, if I ask you about a chief, you know, if anyone asks you about chief evangelist at a coffee shop, you would probably have no problem having a one hour conversation impromptu with them and you'd be excited about it. And you'd probably go home and tell your friends, you know, like, Hey, guess I just met a coffee shop and we talked about this for an hour, right? That passion really is so important because we all know that, you know, podcasting evangelism, all these things are hard. And so to keep doing that day after day can be challenging. So you really got to love it, love what you do and, and the people you're working with. So you had that, you were like, you know, I'm doing all these other things. And, and honestly, you are everywhere on LinkedIn. So when, when it came to the expertise side, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. I and mean, I thought I podcast a lot. You podcast more than I do. I, I'm putting the, the shawl of podcasting on you because you were talking to so many people and you're doing it so well and you're doing it very selflessly. So I, I saw like you just exemplifying what it means to be an evangelist and in such a selfless way, you know, that's the other thing is that you know, there's shouting from the rooftops how awesome I am in solo videos, right? And then there's these conversations where you explore. Like, you're asking me questions, but honestly, you know, myself and all the other people who are guests on your show could join you for like a three-day course on this, right? So so it's an honor to both share what I've heard, but also you, you, you come with a very humble and open heart to say, you know, what can I learn from this person? Their experiences are different from mine. Maybe they have a nugget that I might just carry with me. And, and so there, I, I always love that humility that comes from a podcast because it's a not about me. At least the good ones are not about me, right? Joe Rogan doesn't talk for three hours about himself. Nobody listened. We'd get tired of it. He's talking to all sorts of weird and interesting people. Okay, uh, you know, your show, my show, all the shows that we, we've encountered, it, when, when you put the focus and the attention on someone else, you know, it, it's, an, it's an honor and it's a gift. So I saw you doing this and no one really talking about it. And I'm seeing it more and more. We just didn't have the words for it, right? You know, CEOs were doing it or not doing it. And a product marketer or a head of marketing or head of sales, someone was doing it. They just didn't have words for it. So they didn't have words for it. It wasn't really official. It wasn't as intentional as it could be. And it needs that. It needs the intention. You have to put that special person in that seat and, and, and speak for the customer in and so when I just, all those things were, I was like, dude, you need to do this. This would be so cool. 
Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist-friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelist, let's get back to it. That's awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much for the positive feedback. You reminded me of a couple of uh, guests that we've had on this show. In fact, a couple of episodes ago on episode 33 with Christy Falteruso, uh, she started her career, found herself in customer success, looked around. There were no books. There were a couple books at the time. Um, no one was really teaching on it. No, one, So she just started talking. And the, re the thing that triggered that for me was she she describes her approach as selfless sharing. Um, and, and we chatted a little bit on that one about not doing like the, you know, $12 a month email subscription with six layers leading up to like the, you know, $7,900 in-person mastermind in this, uh, you know, Swiss Alps chateau. Um, right. actually that one would be more like 19 grand, uh, in, in any case, just, just and the bottled water is 20 bucks. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and it's a six ounce bottle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, in any case. This idea of just going out with passion and, she, and prior to she was an intro to me from a previous guest, Leslie Pagel, who had learned from her, got sensed her passion, had benefited from her selfless sharing. She's doing courses, templates, office hours, all these things as a precursor to a product conversation. And we talk a bit, a bit about that, too. She's the chief customer officer at a company called uh, Client Success, and she's like, Different people have different problems at different times. And my software that I represent may be a solution. It may be a solution today. It may not be a solution ever. And it may be a solution six months from now. So the best thing I can do is just be available, listen, learn, teach, do it selflessly. And that philosophy like really uh, struck me um, as something I could really identify with and appreciate. So it was, it was nice to hear that back from you, Casey. Um, and it has been a joy and privilege in general. And it is funny. A lot of the guests now are people who have come to me through the show itself. Like, I didn't know this was a, this was a thing. Like, I didn't yeah. know people were talking about this. And to your point, that's why I so appreciate your vision around it is, you know, it did feel early. I, I was like, am I going to have enough people to talk to? And it's interesting. Some of the people I'm talking to now are three months or six months into their role. At the same time, you called me the godfather, I think. Uh, or some version of that. I forget what word you used. I think it was the Godfather. I think, I think mo most of us would give that to Guy Kawasaki, who wrote a book that was published, and it's now in the public domain, over 30 years ago, that has an entire chapter dedicated to evangelism. Uh, so I talked with him about that back on episode six. But um, to turn it back to you, like what what was um, – are there any other aspects besides this like real voice of customer – that's facilitated through a podcast structure for some of the benefits that we touch on. We could probably spend two hours just talking about the benefits of podcasting in general. We didn't even talk about the idea of um, content and publishing it and remixing it in, into additional content. You know, I think at some point I need to round up everything I've learned from you and all the other folks I've had these conversations with and, and write something much more substantial. I'm thinking about a book. Um, Although I don't Definitely want to say it out loud because it's just so much of a commitment. Oh, I know. Uh, it's insane. 
I can't I even mean, imagine you're it. You're gonna have to get a different shelf because you won't have room for all the other books you write. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I wish I had that time. But you know, for you, what else? You know, what else does the practice involve for you in the context of Ringmaster? Because you're like you the know, founder evangelist. I kind of had that conversation with uh, um, uh, Jared Fuller, I think on episode, I don't know, 31 or something. But like, so you're a founder evangelist. So a lot of your responsibility in this founder, CEO type leadership structure, vision is something you mentioned before. And I can see how being an intentional evangelist. Well, let's also double back into that too. I mean, you mentioned that before. Someone might be doing it, but not with the intention. Therefore, you're not getting the benefit you could out of it. Kind of what, um, how do you describe your role and how much of it is evangelism and where does that fit in? And maybe what else does it involve besides uh, the podcast itself? You know, I, I, a couple things there. And I, I think at, at the size that my company is at, the evangelism, the evangelism is the number one priority, right? Like that, that's the most important thing. And so even after uh, speaking with you and being around you and, and, and learning from you in this show, I even changed my title to founder and chief evangelist because that's what I'm doing. That's the whole, that's why I'm here. Uh, and there's nothing better that I can spend my time doing um, than that. And then all the other things will flow from that, the vision. Now running the company, as you are mentioning that, I was even thinking if and when this company grows to 100, 200,000 people, I would be happy to pass off the CEO role to someone else, a professional CEO, <laughs> and I will be happy to to stay in the evangelism seat. I love it. It's so much fun. I love connecting. I would hate to miss out on that. Uh, when you when you were chatting about the pocket, there's so many other things, right? Juicy content for sure. Content people actually want to read. We we're mentioning that the tricks people were playing at the beginning, where. You know, I remember getting tricked into filling out a form for a marketing automation plus AI document, and it was the worst piece of content I've ever seen. And I was so mad, and, and they called me the next day, and I said, never call me again. I hate you guys. You tricked me. Fool me once, never again, right? I don't even know what the name of the company is anymore. They're dead to me. <laughs> but, you know, so, yes, great content because you have the smart people the, the people, the experience in the room chatting with each other. And so what comes out of that is not, you know, a, like a, a prompt for ChatGPT or something gathered off the internet or, you know, someone new to the game researching something, not really sure what they're seeing. You have people that have been doing this for a while chatting about the most important elements. That's like content gold. So, yes, the, the content is fantastic. But I will say there's also this aspect of business development and direct revenue from a podcast, which is fascinating. And, and what I found is if, if when you're doing your, your guest invites and you're, and you're thinking who can be a, a guest on the show, if, they, if the targeting is hardcore, if the targeting is strict, you don't really have to sell, right? So it's not a sales thing. We're, we're evangelists. We're not, it's not chief revenue officer. That's a different you know, guy or gal. This is evangelism. But I found that if you're speaking to the decision maker, of, of a dream company, dream customer that your company could have. And you're like, these people fit everything. We've designed our tool, our services for them. Like, this is the archetype of who we want to help. You get on a call with them, chances are, nine times out of ten, they're already looking for something like yours, or if not, they soon will be. And so there isn't, it's not really a sale. It's, it's like the, the best kind of evangelism where 
you met someone and, and now you can connect them with sales. Or the flip side is sales have been trying to talk to these people for a while and they don't want to play the game. They don't want to get on the, the phone call. They're not noticing you. They're not Right? You could skip all those games and have the exact person at that giant company. You know, one time we were booking a guest uh, for one of our, our clients and and they want to talk to certain people in large organizations. We found them the exact person in, at Southwest Airlines that dealt with the exact thing that that their software solves. And they're like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for this forever. Now you now you know. Now you know each other. Now did they did they sell something or you know, other companies too? Like, wow, you know, this giant company, this is exactly the right person I want to talk to. Cool. Take it from there. But now you don't have to play any games and you start off with a relationship. So it's almost like doing a sale with a friend. Hey, guys, guys, this, this is a friend of mine. Please take really good care of her. She's fantastic. Her company's growing. Let's give her the best we can, right? It's a friend sale. It's not, and that's how we want to, that's how we want to do sales. We don't want to do, you know, marketing or sales in, in the sketchy way we used to be doing. Let's just make it like a selling to a friend and working with a friend. And so there's that aspect of it. And then finally, there's community, right? Community's big, and I know you could do a whole episode episodes on community, but there's nothing better for community than podcasting. So podcasting community, they're like force multipliers. You can have a community, but then no one's posting in it, or you could have a podcast, and that's cool, and people are listening, and you don't know who they are. Hello, people listening to this podcast. Say hi to Ethan so he knows who you are. <laughs> uh, do it right now. Um, and And so... When you combine the two, now you have an active community where people can say hi to you and people can ask you questions and ask the guests questions and you're all chatting. So I've found, and this is like a, a cheat code, which is if you're going to have a community, have a podcast. If you're going to have a podcast, have a community. Yeah, so many good tips in there. Super practical stuff too. And I want to add to it this idea of um, – you know the, the the conversation you're having, whether it's it's a as an evangelist, um, you know, just the last episode we talked with Amelia Taylor, who was doing sales in what she described as an unorthodox way, um, but it was the way that met buyers where they are, where they live. This is in communities. This is in Slack groups. This is in this is how buyers buy. I don't want to play the game, the game that we've been talking about, basically as a background enemy. Um, through this whole conversation here, Casey, um, I just want to talk to a couple people who I know and trust or who were introduced to me and I trust the people who introduced them to me and ask them a couple questions. How did you think about this? What are the solutions that you reviewed? What one did you go with? Why? How is it going? Would you choose them again or would you take another look at another? Like that's how people are buying. And so this, um, this idea of being present in communities as an evangelist um, and then layering on this additional piece that you mentioned of the podcast is like this. Now we all know each other better and deeper. Um, it's a platform that where we can pull people out and have the spotlight on them for a little while. Um, so many benefits to that. I would also add um, that you're doing this discovery and diagnosis uh, on behalf of the salesperson. So it's an accelerated sale. Whatever you do find through discovery that it's worth extending the conversation or maybe you're even structuring the podcast episodes around this too. Um, it's makes, making me think about a, a different uh, format or some new format elements, not for this show, but for you know one that is designed around for this purpose, um, doing some diagnosis. And then that handoff to sales is like a, just an, an amazing, amazing jumpstart. And you're not going to hand everybody off, but when that discovery process goes well, 
diagnosis goes well, the rapport is well, you can actually legit help these people. It's so much better a handoff. And then the last thing I'll add is that from an account-based marketing perspective, if sales and marketing are working together to build some awareness and affinity and spark some conversation within an account, yes, from one of these three seats at Southwest Airlines or another company, um, what I've seen through the stats of the two podcasts that I've hosted is that even if it doesn't look like it's popping out on social, right? Like you're not getting a lot of comments or a lot of shares or these kinds of things. Um, but it's still like a, a very high performing, better than average episode. What is very often the driver of that is that they didn't share it outside on LinkedIn or on another network, but they shared it internally. And a lot of those views are coming from inside that account. So you, your point of view, your presence, your ability to host a good conversation, your ability to prop up that person and that company to pull the best out of them, to pull out some like their unique selling proposition or some of these other, you know, like how they differentiate in the market or whatever the purpose of your podcast is, you're making that person and their company look good. And when that runs inside a company, that's this, this kind of affinity layer and the education layer um, amping up really well so that when one of your other teammates does reach out into that account, the odds of them having heard of you and having positive feelings toward you is even higher. Oh, hundred percent. And you, know, you mentioned the feedback of it being early and sometimes it feels early. It should feel early, right? Because you're, you're helping lead a movement. You're, you're helping forge a path and you're holding up the lantern for everyone else. So yeah, it should look like kind of dark and, and stormy up in front of you because you, we are trailblazing, right? You are making a path um, for everyone else. But I will say, I mean, just like any other software, there's an adoption curve, right? So you got the early adopters and and then everyone else. Now, don't bring up the iPhone because I always wait for like three or four versions so someone else beta tests it for me. But when it comes to something like this, it's a competitive advantage to be early in this curve. It's it's just what it is. And so the companies doing this now are cutting edge and they will blow away the competition. Uh, hold on just a minute. I got people here really quick. Yeah, totally. You're listening to Chief Evangelist with Ethan Butte. <laughs> so, Ethan, you're a fantastic dude. This is a secret message that no one will hear. Actually, it'll get edited out. So, yeah. Shout out to the Ringmaster crew editing this, chopping out this part. You're the best. Sorry. Thank you. I got dudes coming to do, I, I can't even tell you about this concrete work. It's such a short, oh, they said boy. they'd be here at eight 30, but here they are at seven 57. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. So this, yeah. So picking up on that trailblazing aspect, um, I would love for you to flip this. Cause I believe everything you just said. Um, what advice are you giving maybe? other founders or other leaders who you are in relationship with and in, in contact with, whether they ask you specifically about your title or about evangelism in general, um, or do you proactively maybe introduce this concept? How should other question is how should other leaders be thinking about evangelism and whether or not to appoint themselves as you did or appoint somebody else? Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be in that seat in the room. It's a role. It's a role to fill in your org chart. Fill it. Now, maybe you fill it yourself. You wear the hat or you find someone else to do it, but someone's got to sit there. 
If you don't, it's the same thing as not having someone sitting in your finance seat or in your marketing or sales seat. It's If it's missing someone in there, don't kid yourself that the the books will be balanced by the end of the month. They won't be. No one's here to do that, right? Um, the, the deals won't be sold if no one's sitting in the sales seat or the sales leader seat. It, you know, things are going to run off the track. So I, I, it's been more normalized for me. It's It's not a... You know, it, same thing with the podcasting. Podcasting, I, I know it sounds creative and people think I'm trying to tell them to be a YouTuber, right? Hey, if you want to play games, you know, on, on Twitch, cool. But what we're talking about here is just ta- having conversations and then sharing those conversations with other people. If you want to call it a podcast, great. Otherwise, fine. But like, it doesn't, sometimes people think podcast means it has to be on Spotify or like on a particular app. It's just a conversation. If you want to share it on YouTube, if you want to share it on, your website, whatever, but like it's a conversation you're sharing with other people. That's all it is. And so it's trying to normalize that is where I'm at these days. It's like it, it's just, you know, you know, get away from the word podcast and just understand it's a, it's a conversation. Same thing with evangelism. You know, you're not trying to bring people to church. You know, the word has all sorts of different meanings to it, but you are trying to be there to to listen and also to be the one sharing too. There is that element of thought leadership and someone's got to be doing it. And if it's the CEO, if the, if it's a founder doing it, great. If not, someone needs to be doing it. Someone needs the thought leadership. And there's a little bit in this, I mean, you would know more about this, but I just sort of dropped the seed in there that you can have your inbound university, but that's, and that's, that's cool. And you'll teach a lot of people, but there's something about having a particular person that maybe is the, front for the university or involved in the organization, leading people to university. And then there's a personal touch to it. There's a human side to it. It's not just, you know, cause a university could almost be just sort of a mass training, mass brainwashing. But if you have a person there, there's there, that, that personal brand, it just, it's nothing like it. So I'm just, I'm just trying to let people know that they need to have both of these, these factors in their, in their plan, in their org chart. And it's not even a, you know, a quarter, initiative it's like you just need to have these things present and if you don't you will feel the pain of not having those things present and the problem is that can walk you off a cliff it's it's not it's not as small of a problem as you think it is because i've literally you know with my last company almost innovated ourselves off a cliff by just creating the wrong things that nobody needs that hurts the company right because i didn't know the voice of the customers so it's not a nice to have as, as some people might think it is, it really is critical to setting any kind of strategy for the company. Yeah, man, I really appreciate this call to normalization. I think it's true. I love the way that you just started that off too. It's like, if you don't have this, this isn't going to happen. If you don't have this, this isn't going to happen. And so this, um, we didn't even get into it and we don't really have time to in this conversation. I'll have to have you back, but like this- We're not um, doing three hours? I booked three hours. No, no we're not doing the show Rogan today. Uh, uh, this, this idea of like, and, and I don't know that we have this for every seat in the house, but like, a, you know, one of the things that comes up in this conversation all the time is like, yeah, but how do I cost justify it? How do I know that it's working? How do I, um, you know, create some very specific quantified cost benefit, uh, rundown on this role. And it's interesting. You have me really thinking about that. And I, I hope other people are thinking about it too, is like, well, we don't really have that in all these other seats. 
we know what needs to be done. We know what the activities are. We know what a lot of the deadlines are. And if it's happening, then it's happening. Like thinking of like a CFO, like at a certain point, you need a CFO and no one's going to argue that. But like, what is the financial value of the work that they're doing? I don't know, but you don't want to risk the, 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 uh, the consequence of not having that person keeping all this stuff on the rails. Um, and so it's interesting to think about evangelism in that context uh, in general. And I think we've really uh, done a nice job walking around um, the value of the podcast without even getting into something that you and I both uh, agree on. I know for a fact, I've always called it a master's degree you cannot buy. And your yeah. go at the inbound that. university example is really the same thing. Like at a certain point, um, it was, you know, the, the, the curriculum was published two or three or four or five years ago, but it was a very contemporary, uh, set of lessons about something that has already evolved. And so the idea of this ongoing curriculum for yourself, for your community, for your employees, for anyone else that, that is interested in whatever topic you're taking on, um, it's current and you can't buy it because by the time it's packaged up and sold it needs to be made more timeless so it's not as current and or it's just straight up outdated yeah yeah hey if if you did that with seo with search engine optimization you'd be in trouble you'd be banned by google for trying strategies from 10 years ago um it, you know what the other thing you the thing you mentioned around around the the justification right i encountered this a little bit with the idea of marketing automation. It was a, a tool that, that really stretched itself across the organization. It wasn't a very, it wasn't a pinpoint tool. It was, it was, it was everywhere, right? It touched on sales and marketing. And the same thing could go for even like a CRM, a CRM and organization. How do you justify the cost? Well, what are you going to do? Use Excel spreadsheets again? And I once talked to a, a prospect and like, well, I'm sorry, man, we're not, yeah, the, the CEO, that he got rid of Salesforce. He got rid of our CRM. We're going back to spreadsheets. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, are you putting your resume out there? Are you leaving? Like, I can imagine. So I, I think eventually we understand that some of these things get to that point. To your point, how, you know, if the CFO is not there or the bookkeeper is not there, things are, are going to happen. So it's just getting the information out there and helping people understand that there are problems that occur in your organization when you don't have, you know, an actively fed voice of the customer and, you know, both receiving and sharing outward. So things happen when you don't have that person. And if companies are struggling now, maybe that's the thing that's happening. Maybe you have everything else figured out. You've got the CFOs and the, and the CROs and everyone else is in place, but it's still not working. Do you have this seat? Yeah. And the, the ability to liberate someone from the hardcore day-to-day operations in order to capture, share, explore, validate the voice of the customer. I really like the way that you've, you're, you've framed a lot of this, you know, the, it, because it's the, it's the benefit of being in relationship and conversation with people, whether it's in a podcast or any other way or a mix of different things, um, is is part of this glue. I was talking with a, a guy that I work with now who is kind of the bridge between sales marketing and CS from an enablement perspective. It's not sales enablement per se, but it's making sure everyone's on the same page. And so there's a customer experience continuity layer to it. There's uh, an internal education parity 
you know, we're all thinking about this and talking about this concept or this new feature or whatever the case may be in the same way. I think about the evangelist uh, around this now, thanks to the language you've given me around the voice of the customer. Um, and, and that might involve working internally across different teams to gather and validate some of the things that you're hearing with what they're hearing, what they're sharing, et cetera. Um, so I really appreciate the sensitivity to if it's not there, you're going to be missing something and you may or may not be able to quantify what that is, um, but you'll pay for it at some point in the future. Um, uh, last thing before I go to my favorite uh, fun closer with you, Casey, um, and this has been a pleasure. Um, what are a couple of characteristics, you know, if uh, let's just say a friend of yours is like, okay, Casey, I hear you or a listener to this episode or a watcher of this episode um, is like, okay, Casey, I hear you. This is interesting. You know, that's the final thing I needed to hear to say, okay, I should maybe start my evangelist search in earnest. Uh, and you mentioned some of them off the top. Um, but what are some qualities that, or, or characteristics that someone should look for, um, to say, this could be my evangelist? Curiosity, humility, passion, and expertise. Awesome. I will say, I think an evangelist without a podcast is like your favorite slice of pie or cake without the ice cream on the side. You know, it's just, it's just not the same. Yeah. I definitely not strong enough. It's like, it's like your favorite pie without filling. Yeah, totally. Um, they are a very nice pair. And, um, with that Casey, this has been a joy. I've enjoyed it. I would love for you to share with me and everyone else something that you find yourself evangelizing in your own personal life. You know, I hate buyer's remorse and it prevents me from buying a lot of things, whether it's something as simple as hiking boots or my recent trip to Prince Edward Island where we just had a great time. So you know, when you have a, a fantastic experience, there's that knee-jerk reaction to just want people to experience that. I, I was even thinking about you and several other people, and I've shared this with, with you all, that like, I wish you all with me and my family and your families all on this cool little island in Canada, right? And recently. And and so I for me lately, the thing that I've been evangelizing is this cool little island, you know, land of Anne of Green Gables and lots of seafood and smiley, happy, friendly people, right? So yeah, that's the thing that I've been sharing a lot lately. And the potato museum that doesn't get enough credit, <laughs> Canada's potato museum. Shout out to our friends over there. So yeah, it, for me, that's one of the things I've been sharing lately is just, you know, when, when I found a place or sanctuary where I can recharge my batteries, I would love for other people to experience that too. That's awesome. I really appreciate that call. For folks who've enjoyed this case, either with us at this uh, deep moment in this conversation, uh, where would you send them to learn more about you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, let's connect. Email me, Casey at ringmaster.com. All the other things are games. I won't give you them to you. No, no. Okay. So, uh, so definitely email me questions about things. You know, want me to take a look at, at your existing podcast and maybe give you some thoughts or some feedback on it. There are certain ways of doing things that, that benefit you and your guests the most. Like there's intros that work and there's intros that don't work. Uh, so happy to just give feedback, share funny stories, tell you about Prince Edward Island, whatever. So email me. Also, the podcast, 
Uh, there's two podcasts. One is the Hardcore Marketing Show. Uh, it's all about uh, big B2B strategy, marketing, all the things. That's my long-running show. If you go back and listen to episode one, you can hear it's a very humbling experience. But otherwise, this is that's my laboratory where I learn. And I have a new master's degree I'm working on, Ethan, which is called Creating the Greatest Show, which is a podcast about interview podcasts, about these evangelism podcasts where I'm just – yeah, I'm trying to bring that that humility and the curiosity to other podcasters to learn from them and what has been successful for them. So those are, those are the things to check out. And again, just shoot me an email, Casey at ringmaster.com. Awesome. Nice and simple. I round all that stuff up, link it up wherever you are watching or listening to this episode. You'll find it very nearby, including Casey's email address, which is quite simple, frankly, Casey at ringmaster.com. Uh, and I, I, Definitely. will. if you've enjoyed Casey and me in conversation together, check out episode one of creating the greatest show. You'll understand my approach to this show uh, and the other shows that I've hosted. Uh, Casey, I appreciate you so much. You're awesome. Glad we could spend this time together as always. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. You, you are holding that light out for all of us to see. And I appreciate it. I continue to learn from you and the evangelism side. And I would just give a shout out to everyone listening, go and rate this thing either rate it or send Ethan an email. Ethan, what's your email? Where should people reach out to you? Uh, best place today is Ethan at followupboss.com. Ethan at followupboss.com. I started in a new evangelism role. Maybe I'll do an episode on that. Um, wow, we got to do uh, that. We got to do that. Yeah. And do, by the way, for folks listening, please do go rate the show. I think someone was expecting that it was going to be a religious show, not a secular show. <laughs> um, so it's oh, I think no. it's currently at like a 4.2 on Apple, which is basically like a one. And I think a couple people bombed it because it's not what they were expecting. So oh, folks, no, uh, maybe we need some religious episodes. Well, <laughs> no, I think the answer is for people who love this to go give it a five. That'd be super All right, everyone go do that. I'm going to, I'm going to do that as well. Let's go rate this thing so we can uh, recover that rating. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That wraps up this episode of chief evangelist. Thank you for joining us and thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. -E -E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.